1: ESPN Radio Missoula.
0: Uh, Some people in my life tell me that Camp is the greatest band on the earth. I'm trying to come around on that opinion. They are good, though, and I'm excited to see them next weekend at the Kettle House Amphitheater. Uh, Funny, because I'm playing a bunch of songs that are sort of catered towards what's coming up in the music world here in Missoula. We're not going to play any Goo Goo Dolls today, although... Uh, I am excited and sort of intrigued to go watch the Goo Goo Dolls out there uh, at the Kettle House Amphitheater. I was thinking about the Goo Goo Dolls earlier today. Welcome back, Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. Uh, happy to be with you here to get our number two kicked off. Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the Northwest Motorsports studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula, new to Montana. Find them here in the Garden City, the corner of Stevens and Mount, as well as online, NWMSRocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Thinking about the Goo Goo Dolls earlier today, I was thinking about like when you're between ten and twelve years old. It's such a formative age, especially in uh, determining or defining, at least initially, like some of your first favorite things, things that you really like that you choose to like on your own. Like you can seek them out, start to like them, and uh, you know then remember down the road future why you like them. But I remember when uh, I was probably like 10 or 11. This was like late 1990s, 97 or 98. We lived up Grant Creek uh, here in Missoula. And our cable package up there was limited to say the least. I mean, you're you're talking not many more channels than what you can get on just the basic bunny ears these days. But I remember that a couple of the the, uh, most watched and sort of most novel and new to me at least channels up there there's actually four channels I remember having uh interesting impact on my life when they were added the first two were all about baseball I remember when we got TBS Turner Broadcasting Systems which played the Atlanta Braves all the time and that was when the Braves were in their 90s run in which they were just you know 100 games and a bag of chips every year, into the playoffs, never into the World Series, the only one World Series appearance, despite, I think they won, I think the Braves, I guess they won the World Series in 91, and then I believe that they uh, won the division every year for the entire 1990s. But either way, a lot of Braves action in my life back then. Also, though, I remember when WGN, out of Chicago, landed on the dial, and uh, all of a sudden we're watching the Cubs. And the summer of 98, obviously, a memorable summer for baseball fans. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, the home run chase, and that was, you know, back when it was all innocent and we were all naive, and there wasn't a huge fallout from any of it yet. And at that moment in time, it was sort of like the "quote unquote" thing that had saved baseball after the the labor stoppage in um, in uh, baseball in 1995. But then the other channels that were impactful were USA. Because what's on USA? Professional wrestling. I've been just geeking out about these A&E biographies about all the uh, legendary pro wrestlers. We'll talk about that a little later on. But then the last one that was very impactful on my young life was the addition of VH1. And that sounds so funny. But like MTV wasn't really on unless you had Satellite in Montana. So we couldn't get MTV. We got VH1, which was like a, a more pop culture oriented and also sort of... Um, What do you say? Like adult contemporary version of MTV or something. But there was a lot of influence on there. But I remember, this is all to say, I remember learning about the Goo Goo Dolls from VH1. And I remember their first two albums, 95 and 98, uh, A Boy Named Goo and then Dizzy Up the Girl. And they had a bunch of hits. I mean, they had probably five or six hit singles off those two albums. I bet you they went platinum in both of them. And then, of course, in the uh, famed uh, movie, City of Angels... They had the their smash hit "Iris," which is—I um, mean—that was one of the biggest hits of the '90s, period—and a song that still plays, you know, at weddings and stuff to this day. And uh, it's just so funny because I also remember learning about the Goo Goo Dolls from VH1, and then knowing that they had a lot of slow songs. This is when you're like 12 years old, right? You don't know how to dance yet. You, you kind of maybe not a swing dance. You certainly don't know how to fast dance but you can figure out how to slow dance right <laughs> you can figure out how to you know put your hands you know, on the hips you know but when you're 12 man that's like that's like big stuff right like you're feeling pretty darn proud of yourself if you can you know go ask a girl to dance she says yes you know you get a little 5 minute hug to some music <laughs> And the thrills of being a kid, man, so much fun. That's all to say, though, that was a long time ago. I'm remembering all this, and I'm remembering it fondly. I'm rem- remembering it all so nostalgically. And then I'm thinking to myself, have the Goo Goo Dolls had an album since I was 12? Uh, have they uh, had any hit songs since then? I'm sure they have. I'm sure there's plenty of songs I'm going to recognize tonight. Uh, I know I'm going to know the words to probably five of their songs. That would be fun. And then there'll probably be some other songs that I didn't realize were them. But it's also going to be kind of a trip seeing a band that was in the height of their powers, you know, I mean, 20 to 25 years ago. So, I mean, that, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. But uh, if you're out there, Kettle House Amphitheater, you see me, I see you, whatever, say what's up. Always fun running into people. Always love hearing the commentary, the, com- the, uh, the feedback about this show. If you want to be a part of the show, 406-888-1029. That's 888 888- 1029. All guests will join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. We're going to talk some NFL in a minute, but I want to just put a bow on the stuff we led the show with. We had the Montana Football Hour to get things started off today and uh, also broke some news simultaneously on SkylineSportsMT.com, so you can go find that. But the Grizz now officially adding five new transfers, four from the Power 5 ranks. We've previously reported Wyatt Wegner from Iowa and – who was a linebacker, Nico Ramos, a kicker who has played at Cal and Princeton uh, during his college career, and then a couple new ones, Chris Walker, a lineman from Nebraska who's a graduate transfer there from the Huskers, A.J. Abbott, who's a quarterback transfer, he's got four years of eligibility remaining, comes to Montana from Oregon, and then Adam Trevilian, who's a junior college transfer from San Diego Mesa J.C., he himself just announced his commitment on Twitter today. Andrew Houghton, uh, one of the first to to retweet that and, and post that news. So go check out SkylineSportsMT.com for more on those transfers. But, Andrew, uh, I wanted to ask you about what you thought of the impact of those guys. Uh, we we sort of touched on um, Wyatt Wagner, the linebacker. I think he's probably just going to be a guy that's a depth guy, maybe some special teams reps because uh, they, they're they very deep at linebacker with some veteran guys. Nico Ramos can certainly be in the mix as the the kicker, or at least uh, in the competition to become the primary kicker at Montana. But what do you think of these other two additions? What do you think of Chris Walker, who's slated as an offensive lineman? And what do you think about the one that most people are probably going to be talking about after this scoop drops, A.J. Abbott, quarterback from
2: Oregon? Well, I think Chris Walker is a big, important piece there, as you can sort of uh, see, because we're projecting him to, to possibly be a starter at tackle, this year for the team, um, I think it's good to get some experience on that offensive line. Um, and we'll, we'll see sort of what combination they settle on for the offensive line, but I would certainly expect him to be in the mix. And then, of course, everybody, like you said, is going to want to be talking about the quarterback. He's certainly got the pedigree, as you mentioned. Great high school, great football high school, put up put up numbers there. Um, and and of course, if you can play high school football in Texas, you can play football just about anywhere. For sure, I mean, if you're competitive at the highest level of, of I mean, he's playing six A in Houston, right? So
0: I mean, pretty much everybody that he's played, I mean, everybody's. Uh, I'm not gonna say
2: D one guy, but college most, guys, most
0: guys could play in college for yeah. sure. Yes,
2: yeah. So I, you know, I'm not entirely surprised that they brought somebody else in to uh, battle with. Lucas Johnson there and, and Chris Brown maybe still in that competition, Daniel Britt. Um, it's, it's just always good to have another arm in the room, right? I mean, just throw him on the field in fall camp. We'll see how it shakes out. What I, my impression coming out of spring, even though we
0: got to see such a limited edition of – or a, a limited number of reps for uh, any of the Grizzlies, really, but the quarterbacks in particular, was that – Lucas Johnson didn't have any competition for the starting job, and that the, the quarterback competition was going to be a good one for the number two spot between Chris Brown and Daniel Britt. Now I think that Montana can have two quarterback competitions. Uh, or, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, now, now, in addition to push Lucas Johnson, also pushes everybody in the room. And I think that's the strategy here. I think that's what Bobby Houck wants because I think they want Lucas Johnson to be the guy. He's a graduate transfer. He went 8-1 and one at San Diego State last year, won a bowl game. So, you know, you don't really bring in a 60-year guy unless you think he's going to be your guy. But if by chance A.J. Abbott or other beat him out, it's a win-win scenario for the coaching staff because if, if, you, if Lucas Johnson isn't your guy, that means you brought in somebody really, really good. And if he is your guy, maybe the other guys are the ones that push him along and they make him even better.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it it maybe does say something about, uh, you know, Chris Brown and uh, Daniel Britt weren't pushing Johnson to the level that the coaching staff wanted to see. I mean, how many stories have we written? How many times have we talked to those guys? Chris Brown, Cam Humphrey last year, Lucas Johnson this year. You know, part of their job is just to to be in competition with each other and to make the, the other guys in the room step up their game. And if, you know... Brown and, and Britt weren't doing that that the coaches saw in the spring in the, in the summer. Why not bring in another guy?
0: Nuwana's now ESPN radio, SWX Montana television and the ESPN Montana app. Andrew Houghton, our producer joining us joining me, Colter Newana is here uh, on the live radio. You mentioned that Chris Walker is a so he, here's my thought about the, the quarterback is I think Lucas Johnson's a pretty mature guy. He's also been here since January. So bringing in a transfer is not going to rattle him and make him, you know, weird mentally or confidence wise going into fall camp. That's just me completely talking off the cuff. I've never spoken to Lucas Johnson in my life. Uh, our good friend, friend of Skyline Sports, Jackson Groff, who's a former uh, student assistant at Montana and a former Grizz wide receiver, he has a great podcast up with Lucas Johnson and Jaden Dawson, a couple of the transfers for the Grizz. But uh, just just from what I've heard about Johnson from within the program, seems like a mature kid. Marcus Wellnill was in studio with us uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was saying that he's done a good job winning over the team and that they're very confident in him. So it doesn't seem like A.J. Abbott's going to rattle uh, Lucas Johnson. So I think it's a, a, uh, it's a win-win scenario for Montana, that, and that's a good thing there at that spot. I do think, though, that Chris Walker could have an opportunity to really buckle down on... Uh, One of the starting offensive tackle spots. And if he does, that's huge for Montana. If he's adequate, good. If he's good, great. And if he's great and an all conference type guy, exceptional. And then all of a sudden you have another elite player on a what should be a pretty much elite team. Like if you if you get an elite guy at one of your holes, that's great. But I also hope they don't have too many eggs in the basket because I'm not saying this guy is going to flop. I'm not projecting that. I think that physically he's going to be one of the most formidable players in the Big Sky Conference right away. I mean, if you see him, he is a... uh He's a weight room warrior. I mean, one of my sources over at Nebraska, and there's actually quite a few because of a lot of the crossovers, he says he's been he says Chris Walker's been really hurt. He's basically been an assistant strength coach the past few years in Nebraska, but he's an absolute freak in the weight room, so strong, but he couldn't get ever couldn't ever get on the field. But I tell you, you'd look at him and say, Oh my, that guy's an NFL guy or a WWF wrestler. So uh Chris Walker should be fine from a strength and development perspective. But I do think that I guess I'm saying is I hope it's not a boom or bust situation because if it's only rely upon I I don't know where if Chris Walker hits great if he doesn't, where does Montana turn? I hope that 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 answer they're comfortable with and it's not just that this guy has to hit or uh, it's not going to work out. And uh, I don't know. I, I was not that impressed with the offensive line in spring. So I do think Pending this transfer, Chris Walker's impact, it's still a huge question mark for the Grizz. So, I mean, you mentioned that it's a pivotal addition for Montana, but there is some boomer bust potential here, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think another of the big questions is, you know, he's been playing defensive line or he's been going back and forth between offensive and defensive line. At Nebraska, so what? What? What is the transition back to playing tackle? Um, and then, of course, you always have the questions. I mean, chemistry is such a big thing on the offensive line. Is he going to be able to fit in and work with the other guys that you want to have playing there? There are a lot, there are a lot of questions, and it would be like you said. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't need to be a world beater to to raise the level of Montana's offensive line because I think we both think that that's one of their weak spots. Um, But but there are a lot of questions there. Um, We'll see how it works. I mean, I I would say that, you know, Montana's had success bringing in some offensive line transfers and and bringing in some offensive line drop-downs, and he'll be playing next to two of them with A.J. Forbes and Hunter McGinnis. So you would think, you know, maybe you keep up the track record of success there. Montana, they love to... Well, this is not
0: uncommon. This is actually very common in in college football. But they love uh, to have a group, and so then I think that's why one guy that's adding to the group makes the group stronger. So let me ask you this. Right now, a week away from media days, a couple weeks away from fall camp opening, Montana's slated projected starting offensive line is A.J. Forbes, a junior who was a starter last year at center, former Nebraska transfer at center, Hunter McGinnis, who's a Washington State transfer, I believe a junior as well, uh, and a guy who was a third-team All-Big Sky selection a year ago at guard. Liam Brown, who is a highly regarded recruit out of Portland, who um, was a good get for Montana on the recruiting trail. And then the tackles, likely Chris Walker, a graduate transfer senior from Nebraska, and Brandon Casey, who was a guy who got a lot of Pac-12 interest Coming out of high school had an offer from Oregon State, a kid out of San Point, Idaho ended up choosing the Grizz. Seems like he's got a lot a lot of upside, but has played very limitedly. Is that a good is that an adequate, good or
2: great offensive line in the Big Sky conference? Right now I would say adequate and you know, hoping to be good. I think that's right. Uh, are, are you higher on them than that? I just no, the, no. Uh, there's a lot of questions at the tackles in particular. Yeah. Well, here's the thing:
0: is you never know who just takes an enormous step in the off season, and I think that on the lines is a place you can take a huge step because you can just you can add when you're really working at it, and then you start to get a little bit older. You can add so much strength and mass in a short amount of time. A.J. Forbes was already pretty big, but it's also easy to remember that he's pretty young. Even if he doesn't put on a ton of weight, I, mean, I think he played about 290 last year. I mean, that's a perfectly fine size for a center at the Big Sky Conference level. But, you know, let's say that guy put 30, 40 pounds on his bench max over the offseason, you know, or, you know, got under the power clean bar. He's more explosive. Hunter McGinnis came in huge, but a, a little bit out of shape, he had to get through fall camp, play his way into shape. Now he's had a year in the program, conditioning-wise. Maybe Brandon Casey had a great summer, and and he's he's more adept to hang. You know, maybe he spent the summer watching tape and watching the spring practices and and watching getting you know kind of overmatched by the Grizz defensive front. And also though, maybe the Grizz defense is just so good that I'm misevaluating the offensive line because the the Grizz front seven made the Grizz offensive line look terrible all spring long when I got the limited uh views that I did. But maybe that's just cause Montana has What's projected to be the best defense in the United States?
2: Yeah, maybe they'll do the same in fall camp too. Uh, <laughs> right, but we but, might not know until the Grizz
0: open up their season September third if their offensive line is actually adequate or not.
2: But here's the other thing: I mean, we're talking about Chris Walker. Maybe they show up to fall camp and there's another guy who we have no idea who you know who he is who's practicing with the offensive line. I mean, they could still add guys.
0: No question, and we explained that the other week as well. You know, just the fact that. I, again, even these guys were reporting, like Chris Walker, for example. He's a graduate transfer, so he's actually not officially a part of the the school or the program until he goes to a class. So, um, you know, and some of these other guys too. I mean, you can pivot at any time at this point. So nothing's officially official till it's official. But these are the guys that we have reported on that have uh, committed to and are expected to be uh, a part of uh, the Montana Grizzlies this upcoming. Um, season. Nuwans well, now ESPN Radio. Uh, Andrew, any thoughts on the the junior, junior college quarterback Andrew Trevilian. I guess do you have any do you have any thoughts on why they would make that move? I mean, a lot of times more more guys are better. But is that a move of uh, necessity or just a move of fortifying the ranks?
2: Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a luxury for them. Uh, for sure. They're just building the depth there. I think, I mean, you look at corner, you've got an All-American in Justin Ford. You've got a guy who's been all big sky at Idaho State and Jaden Dawson. You've got Corbin Walker, who I think, uh, you know, we both think is a really good player. you got Trevin Gradney, who's got a lot of potential, um, who who showed well in some reps last year. Uh, Corner is not a place where they need to add a piece, but if you if you like the kid, if you like the tape, if you think he can play, you know there's there's no there's no real downside to bringing him in, especially when he has three years remaining too, right? I mean, that's right. Yeah, just the one year I think at, at San Diego Mesa.
0: That's the interesting part too of what Bobby How and his staff has done with transfers, is they have targeted some guys that are uh, playing almost completely unique final years of college football. Like Joe uh, Babros and Justin Belknap, they were both 25 years old <laughs> last year when they were playing. I mean, they're on like their super-duper-duper senior years last year. That phenomenon is going to be gone soon. Um, but they've also done a good job of targeting transfers that have a ton of time left. As just writing in that story that we have posted now on SkylineSportsMT.com. Cam Humphrey was here 2018-2019, the canceled 2020 season, and then 2021. A.J. Forbes will have been here for three, four years by the time he's all said and done. Gavin Robertson was here for three years, so they've done a good job of getting younger transfers as well. I I guess this is all to say, we've talked about this for almost an hour now on the show, this is all to say, though, Montana's, despite Bobby Howe, and his uh, terse words about the NCAA transfer portal, they're doing as good a job as anybody in the FCS right now at capitalizing on this. They're doing a really good job of bringing in guys. I mean, pretty much every dude they're bringing in
2: is becoming, if not right away, an impact player. Yeah, and I think that's a good place to sort of leave the discussion um, about Bobby Houck and Montana and the way that they're using the transfer portal. They're just really pragmatic about it. That's the, the number one thing that jumps out to me. I mean, they're bringing in like you said, I mean, if they think they're good players, if they think they can help the team, they're not really worried about how many years the guys got left. I mean, you see them bringing in grad transfers for one year to plug holes. You see them bringing in JUCO kids with three three years of eligibility left who are going to be more developmental players. I mean, they just there's there's no one philosophy that we see them following, and and it's worked out. Look at us, we did it again. We didn't get to what we had
0: on the outline, but that's okay. NFL stuff will always be interesting to talk about, and it can always be flexible when we talk about it. But we're going to take a little break because the Missoula Paddleheads, hot, hot, hot. I mean, as hot as you can get, basically, for the first half of the season, and they, in fact, had the best first half in the history of the Pioneer League. How's 35-12 and sound? How does sewing up a Pioneer League championship for the fourth iteration of it in a row, with a 30-hit, 21-run effort. I know the baseball purists out there are cringing, but another pennant for Missoula's minor league baseball team nonetheless. Jeff Stafford, our main man, will join us next. All Things Missoula Paddleheads, coming up right here on Nuanas Now. It's ESPN Radio. mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences. In somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players. We know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschulte.com.
1: One, two, three. Is now on ESPN Radio.
0: I'm digging on that song lately, too. I hadn't really ever heard of the band Spoon. But our main man Tommy Evans over at the Trail, 103.3 FM here in Missoula, Montana's quality rock. He's been spinning that track, and uh, then he told me one of his first concerts he ever went to was Spoon. So I've been digging on them a little bit. Fun band. You can always find great new music by listening to the new show over there on the trail each Tuesday night from six to seven. Super easy. Just listen to this show from four to six. Click one notch up on the dial from six to seven. And then click one notch back to listen to this guy, Jeff Safford, Missoula Paddleheads, joining us here in studio. Pleasant surprise me, man. I didn't even realize you were coming in. I figured we were just going to be calling it because I feel like you've been living on a bus half your life, (laughs) but here you are live in studio. So
1: good to see you. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be here and um, good to be back in Missoula because we've been on the road for, you kind of touched on it, large portion of this month of July. And for folks who want to see your First-half champs in the Northern Division. This week, a good week to do it. Only 10 games at home in the whole month of July and a six-game set coming up against Ogden. How about this? About six weeks ago, we were talking, hmm, how do the Pallets kind
0: of get on track here? They had such a great year last year, ran all the way to the first-half title in the Pioneer League North, second-half title, and then won the uh, league pennant in the postseason as well. So basically went three for three. And you're sitting there thinking, man, coming out of a pandemic, you know, a new name, a new ownership group, much better talent on the roster, an independent format. How do these guys want up this? And then you're thinking, okay, well, they have a little hangover from last season, got started a little bit slow. Six weeks later, they have basically done nothing but just rake and win. How about uh, punctuation or an exclamation point, I should say? Thirty hits. I, when I read when I read your press release, the the, the paddleheads won the Pioneer League championship in resounding fashion with a twenty one run, thirty hit effort. But when I read your press release, I screamed up the stairs to Andrew. I said, "The Paddleheads had thirty hits today." Andrew's like, "Wow, thirty hits! So uh, offensive onslaught, to say
1: the least, to win another pennant." Yeah, the effort yesterday, um, the game you were alluding to against Great Falls, that was unbelievable. And and the game also when they clinched the. Pioneer League pennant on Wednesday. They had a 12 run inning in that game on. Inning. Yeah, and that wasn't even in that seven day period previous. Looking at it, that didn't even match what the offense had done in a game just ab- about eight days ago now at Allegiance Field against the Range Riders. They scored 15 runs in one inning against Glacier. So it's just been an unreal run for this paddlehead offense the last couple of weeks and not to be outdone has been the pitching staff as well we've seen guys like Nick Merkel pitch well Austin Croson had a great start he's at 5-0 and oh now and they're starting rotation after six innings pitched the other night and Sam Hellinger my goodness he has just been outstanding the last couple of outings he's had out of the bullpen I think one of the better power arms coming out of the bullpen in the Pioneer League he had a six-out save. Struck out the side in the ninth inning over the weekend. And Great Falls just has been fantastic. Jeff Stafford joining us. He's the voice of
0: the Missoula Paddleheads. Paddleheads the first-half champions of the Pioneer League North. And, I mean, they they ran away with this thing. I mean, they're yeah. eight games up. And the North actually has three of the other four teams with winning records. The Voyages have been very good. And, and yeah. the know Falls Chuggers have been good, too. But I mean, to to win a division and to win such a short period of time, and they haven't even played 50 games yet. So, so to w- to win the first half by eight games is, uh, I mean, that's
1: pure domination, right? Yeah, that's that's just taking care of business. And basically, I mean, at one point before they clinched, or right when they clinched the pennant, the record in their last 21 games previous the night they clinched was. Twenty-one and one, right? So I was we're gonna, twenty-one and two. I'm I, sorry, I, I was going to
0: ask. I was going to ask you to do all the math for me because they've had winning streaks of what well, I think they got up into nine games one time, maybe twice, even, twice, right? And with like a loss in between. I mean, it's like I write in the Sports Center: thirteen out of 14, 14 out of fifteen, <laughs> and it's just kept on going. So that's what it ended up as. Then twenty-one out of twenty-three games that they won. Correct.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah, just unbelievable. And and the thing that you look at. Most And the pitching has been a big factor. And I think their bullpen depth has really been something that separated them from a number of teams, especially if you want to look at the second place Great Falls Voyagers. They have a great reliever down in their bullpen named Montana Quigley, who is now the saves leader in the Pioneer League with seven just in front of Jason Newman, who, by the way, also leads the Pioneer League in home runs and RBIs. How he does it, I have no idea. But... But Quigley is a solid reliever in out of Valparaiso University, a D1 program. Sure. He's been real good this year. But the problem for Gray Falls has been getting to Quigley. They've right. had guys that have come through and not pitched well to get them to those late-inning spots. Where Missoula, to get to Newman or Hellinger, guys like I've mentioned, we've had guys that Nate, Nate Alexander's had a great run his last couple of outings. We've seen Zach Smith pitch well with fastball, mid-low nines at times. Um, John LaRosa, he throws really hard from the right side, mid-upper nines. Same with Dan Swain, a um, former Osprey from back in the day. But they have a lot of guys that can beat you with the bullpen. And then the offense, just one through nine. It's just a murderer's row. It's not just Jason Newman. It's Brandon Riley at the top of the order. He's... And with the long ball this past week, he had two leadoff home runs. Then you got Lamar Sparks, his average over 400. This past week, he just announced today the Pioneer League Player of the Week from the Northern Division this past week had not one but two grand slams this past week. So, and then Nick Gatewood, can't forget about Gator with his cowboy hat and Southern boy (laughs) accent. and, And he's just a doubles machine. He's played in 46 games so far this year. He has 20 doubles alone, which is right up there at the top of the Pioneer League. So when you got guys 1 through 9 and McLean O'Connor, Cam Willman having a great rookie campaign, Cam Thompson has seen his numbers improve over the last month, average back over 300. When you have an offense that just has all these weapons, 1 through 9, it's just lethal. There's no holes in it. I'm looking at Jason Newman's stats and
0: uh, I think that it would be certain that he would be the first half MVP if there was such an award. And uh, he's played in 40 total games. He's hitting 402. Uh, this is an amazing statistic. I just went and did this math in my head. He has 12 games in those 40 games with multiple extra base hits. <laughs> the guy has 68 hits. Twenty home runs, sixty-nine runs batted in, and one hundred and thirty-nine total bases. He's hitting four hundred and two with a four sixty-nine on-base
1: percentage and an eight twenty-two slugging percentage. I mean, twenty home runs in forty games is just insane. It's it's absurd, and that's that's the really the crazy part about it is he's done all this, leading the league in all these categories, and he's missed some time. He spent sure. a ten-day stretch on the inactive list in the first half, so to be able to do that is even. More staggering. And I've alluded to this a few times on Paddlehead broadcasts, especially kind of going into the second half. Teams will make adjustments. Will teams start to give Newman the Barry Bonds treatment, so to speak, with him being so productive, hitting so many home runs, his average so high, are teams going to start pitching around him, start putting him on for free? Give? Are we going to start to have to wave the chickens around at Allegiance Field when they start walking Jason Newman. I guess we'll see. It will be interesting to follow the Missoula Paddleheads, the first-half champions
0: of the Pioneer League North. Now we get the second half of the schedule. Jeff Safford, the uh, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, joining us. You can find his call right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula pretty much every night this summer. But now, uh, second half is always fun, especially when uh, it first begins because you get to see some of the teams you haven't seen hardly at all, if not at all, if not at all, Period, and uh, Ogden's pretty good again this year. So, uh, what do you think of this second half for the Paladins? I mean, I guess first of all, th- there has always been sort of this distinct formula for Pioneer League teams, but this was when this was before it was an independent league where. If you won the first half, then you'd spend a lot of the second half trying to develop guys. Well, these aren't affiliated teams anymore. Right. So I don't know if that's necessarily a part of the equation or maybe not as high of a priority. So uh, what do you think of just sort of the motivation level of the Paddleheads going into this? Because last year they were certainly trying to win the first and second half. They didn't shut
1: anybody down. They wanted to roll through this thing. Is it going to be a similar dynamic this year? I would I would imagine, yes, that they'll go full bore and we'll just try to keep winning ball games. Because, frankly, I... I think this team just loves doing it. I think they love playing together. Michael Schlack's a great leader. He's got a great environment in the clubhouse. The team loves playing for him and vice versa or Schlack loves coaching for them. You get where I was going with that. But uh just it just seems like it's a great vibe around the clubhouse. The players love to be a part of the Paddleheads culture and winning ball games means you're having fun and you're having fun coming out to the yard and and yes, I'm sure there'll be some instances where guys may get a day or two off more than what you saw in the first half, maybe give guys a little bit more rest. And also in the second half last year we saw Michael Schlack especially mess with pitchers in their certain roles. You may remember Matt Mogillon, a guy that was is now in the Mariners system. Actually, it's them minor league baseball all-star break right now. Heard Mogo is actually in town in Missoula, just hanging out for the couple of days while he has a break from the Mariners system, but they messed around with his role a little bit, had him start in the rotation a couple of times, then moved him back into the bullpen. Mason Schwellenbach, another guy from last season, they kind of had pitched in the bullpen some games and moved into the rotation, just kind of messing with guys' roles, seeing where they fit, see what spots that they like and don't like, and It'll all just be to build up towards that playoff run because that's the main thing. And that's what they succeeded in doing last season was that they were playing their best baseball going into that playoff run a season ago. 35-12 and 12 for the Missoula Paddleheads. So far the greatest
0: first half in the history of the Pioneer League and of minor league baseball in Missoula. Even checked back into the Timberjack days. Nobody's had a first half like that, even dating back to the late 1950s and early 1960s when they were wearing the uh, the fun white and green hats. The second half of the Pioneer League Baseball season begins tomorrow. Ogden Raptors in town for the first time uh, this season. They'll take uh, on the Paddleheads for six in a row down there at Allegiance Park at Ogden Field, uh, Allegiance Field at Ogren Park, excuse me. Um, Speaking of the All-Star break, though, Jeff mentioned the All-Star break. Major League Baseball is on its All-Star break. The All-Star game uh, is coming up tomorrow. We'll talk some Major League Baseball right after this. Keep it right here. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire.
1: We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world
0: television. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. A little modest mouse for you. They got some Montana connects. Helena roots. Hope you're having a phenomenal Monday. A lot of concerts on the horizon. I'm heading out to the amphitheater tonight. Check out the Goo Goo Dolls. No idea what to expect. <laughs> they, they could be great. I, I'm sure they're going to be good performers. It's just going to be so weird seeing somebody that I liked when I was a kid. Uh, that hasn't been at the height of their fame for 25 years, but they're still around as a band, so that means that they're probably uh, pretty good. If you got something going on, you got something cooking, you're out there. Say what's up uh, if if you see me, if you see us uh, wandering around, and uh, enjoy yourself at any and all of the shows maybe you get to take in out there, one of the best parts uh, of Missoula. Baseball has taken center stage uh, in the wide world of sports and in uh, the state of Montana here. And there's been a couple teams in the various levels of baseball in Montana that have been red, red, hot. The Missoula Paddleheads have been one of them. They've won 21 out of their last 23. They are the first-half champions of the Pioneer League North. So just give them another pennant. The, uh, the Paddleheads are champions and nothing else since they've <laughs> morphed from the Osprey into the Paddleheads. But we also have a, a great story going on in Helena. The Helena Senators, which are the defending American Legion Class AA champions, Uh, Are on a 20-game winning streak right now, so very impressive uh, for one of the best in in Montana's American Legion ranks as well. And also, I'm sure that the the passion and uh, conversation around Major League Baseball is sure to heat up and take center stage as well, because this is when you know you know this is when I really start to kind of more dive into it. When it gets to the All Star break, you kind of know who the contenders and pretenders are. Then you have the couple weeks following the All Star break where which teams are buying, which teams are selling. You got the trade deadline. Then you got some reshuffling of rosters, and boom. Now, stretch run. Who's going to get hot? Who's going to go into the playoffs with an opportunity to get through the postseason? Uh, So the All-Star game tomorrow evening. Um, So that'll be a fun one to uh, look forward to. Jeff, here's what the divisions look like right now at the All-Star break. The New York Yankees have uh, come back to earth relatively. They were winning at about a 78% clip they uh they get to the all-star break with 64 victories, so 696 their win percentage so far. If they keep that clip, they will threaten the all-time wins record. At one point, though, they were on pace for like 120 wins. Not quite there, but they still could get to 110, which is pretty impressive. They have a resounding lead in the East, 13 games. The Twins sit atop the AL Central. The Houston Astros have a uh, big lead in the West, but don't look now. The Seattle Mariners have rapidly climbed through the... Standings with a 14-game winning streak, so we'll stop there for just a minute. What have you thought of the American League? Uh, what are some of your favorite storylines going on right now? And uh, are any of the division leaders a huge
1: surprise to you? No, I I'm not really shocked by the New York. I mean, the New York Yankees doing what they've done maybe. The way they've done it so dominantly, yeah, yes. Yeah, people thought they
0: were going to be good. But, I mean, 64 wins and, is, is one of the best and you have a lot the first of first halves ever.
1: And you sure. have a lot of teams that are challenging in that East also. I mean, the Rays coming in were looked at. The Red yeah. Sox also. And a team that I think a lot of people expected more from was the Blue Jays. I mean, the Blue Jays are... I think, what, four or five games over 500.
0: 50 and but, 43, so but, there's seven games over but 500. Just, Matt,
1: but they just fired their manager also. Right. You know, which tells you that they had much loftier goals. Sure. And the way they spent in the last couple of years, you would think that. that they would, And they have, you know, a stable of young talents, and they've been kind of building up this roster for the last couple of years. So people were expecting more from the Blue Jays. So maybe with the managerial shift, maybe things will improve in the second half for... Toronto. But but you look at the Astros, the Astros are the Astros, you know what you're going to get from yeah. them. They've still got most of that core around with Altuve and Bregman and Justin Verlander. He has just been fabulous. What he just I mean, went his twelfth his, his twelfth win. Just, like just, my goodness. Just
0: booked the ticket to Cooperstown, man. I mean he's just I he's mean,
1: pitching his way straight into the Hall of Fame right now. Absolutely. No, to me, no doubt in my mind. I I think he, I thought he was a Hall of Famer before the last couple of years i I I agree
0: but then to show the you know the nolan ryan-esque dare i say longevity and to be doing it in houston you know where the ryan express was so popular and and in
1: texas in general and And that's uh, not a that's not an easy ballpark to pitch in absolutely not No. no they got that short porch and left you got the train i mean it's hot i mean yes you play indoors a lot of the time but still it's a controlled environment indoors it's It being indoors, it's dry, so the ball is just going to fly in a ballpark like that. So him doing that is crazy. Jeff Safford, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, joining us in studio. Talking all things Major League Baseball, what have you thought of the Mariners? The Mariners, I mean, I I remember the last time we were, I feel like I was on the show, we were talking about the Mariners. Yeah, they had these, again, another team that was some lofty goals considering their hot end to last year. They're right on the doorstep going into that last series against the Angels at home. They had everything looking like they were going to go their way, and they just kind of slipped away for them down the stretch, but they had this kind of a lot of anticipation and things weren't looking good, and it's like, well, I guess it's just another year for the Mariners just kind of sulking away, so to speak, but all of a sudden, they've just taken off. And I think the biggest thing has been their offense. I mean, we've heard the famous couple of times, the last couple of games, the famous, "Mama, get the mustard and the, what is it, the rye bread. It's a grand <laughs> salami, that famous call from Seattle. Just a great radio crew over there. But, um, but yeah, they've been getting hot, and I know a lot of folks from around this region really wants to see that Mariner team win. I know Seattle fans are just, just praying for something to go well, so... They've been close a number of times. Is For this sure. year they're finally going to do it? If, that they'll if, finally get to the playoffs? If, if it's not
0: this year, it's going to be one of the most cruel heartbreakers. because Usually they're chugging along okay, and then they, about this time of year, start to fade and then fall apart, and they break your heart in August. Now they might actually have broken everybody's hearts or made people just apathetic about them early, and now... Uh, they're charging, so if
1: they don't charge into the playoffs, I think it's going to be even more disappointing for their. Uh, oh, absolutely. Loyal fans Anytime time. you have a streak like that in the middle portions of a season, it gets everybody fired up. For and sure. if it doesn't end up working out, then it's just that much more disappointing. But that is the cruel animal that is the game of baseball.
0: For sure. The uh, National League looks like this the New York Mets lead the AL East, but the Braves are very competitive. Atlanta has had a long winning streak earlier this year, and they look like they're shaping into form as the defending World Series champions. The Central's tight as well with the Brewers and the Cardinals. uh, Just a half game apart here at the break and then the west is uh, incredibly competitive although the dodgers have the second best record in baseball because of course they do how can you not when you have that lineup right <laughs> they're 60 and 30 but padres hanging tough even though they're 10 games back they're still in the mix in the playoffs and so are the giants those two teams
1: about 2 games apart from each other right now uh, at the all-star break so what do you think of the national league so far yeah the national league that's you look at that and despite the dodgers doing what they're doing i think when you get to the postseason I think it will be anybody's game and I think you very well could have a team like the Braves last year who never didn't have anybody really circling them as the odds on favorite if they're hot if they're playing their best ball at the right time they'll take off and I look at teams also that have good pitching that to me is a lot of times a not just good, but good pitching but pitching that's pitching well going into the playoffs again with Momentum. So well, teams that have guys that are scuffling right now, it's thinking about the Brewers. The Brewers not playing great right now. They're all everything reliever in the back of the bullpen hater. he's scuffling. I think I saw him give up, I think 12 runs in his last three, four outings. He has not been good, but we all know how good he can be and how he good good he was at the start of the season when his ERA was in the ones the first month or six weeks of the year. So, will guys like that write the ship and get hot because we know how one or two arms can just push a team through the playoffs. Just ask the 2014 Giants about Madison Bumgarner. Jeff Safford, voice of the Missoula Paddles. you can hear him back on the call tomorrow. Rare day off for the Paddleheads
0: tonight. Minor League Baseball All-Star break is going. The Major League Baseball All-Star game is going on tomorrow night, but the Paddleheads open up a six-game homestand. Ogden Raptors in town for the first time Uh, This season, 7.05, first pitch from um, Paddleheads Field down there uh, right by the river. Great venue to watch baseball in. So uh, if you can't make it to the game, you can find Jeff's awesome calls um, right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Paddleheads will be home for the next six days. Then an off day on Monday and uh, a trip up to the Flathead. It a great time a year to go to the Flathead. Oh, gee, uh, yeah. tough break. I know, yeah. tough break for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you get to go kick it up there at Flathead Lake for six
1: days. It's like an extended vacay, right? You're going to go take a shower in the lake and go jump in the lake one day? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. So I'm I'm sure with it being an extended trip out there that maybe the team bus will go take a trip out to the lake or something like that. But, but it's nice that where the team hotel is, it's right downtown Kalispell, so yeah. you can cruise around, go to all the little funky little restaurants they got downtown there and do some shopping, that sort of thing. And, and I've said it the last time I was on this show also. If you have not seen Flathead Field, you Super should cool. go see it. It is a crazy facility. It is beautiful. It's in a great, great location. And, uh, yeah, go check it out. Jeff Safford on the call almost every night this summer. Missoula Paddleheads back at it tomorrow night. We'll be back
0: at it tomorrow at 4 p.m. Got our Treasure State Stars. Got a couple great guests, including the Montana Gatorade Football Player of the Year, Taco Dallers, headed to Montana State, plus much more. We'll see you then. This has been Nuanna's Now ESPN Radio. Thanks for joining us. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear